Hi, everybody. My name is Kara McCarran, and I'm the host of She's the Owner podcast. On this podcast, we're going to be featuring female founders who are at any part of their entrepreneurial journey. We will ask them the same 10 questions and see where the conversation takes us. Hey, everybody. It's Kara, and uh, we have uh, a, a bit of a different slant on the podcast. We've got our third guy on here, Frank Clark. And um, so the, the reason I wanted to do the Mature Masculine series is really because um, we've had a lot of women come on the show and it's really amazing. But recently I've started to notice this shift in the Mature Masculine. And so I did a call out on Facebook and looked to my uh, community to, to suggest some men and Frank was one of them. So he just did a quick intro on, on um, who he is. And I mean, I think if you want to just kind of sum it up, we can say you're an incredible entrepreneur. If you want to go maybe quickly through the thing again and th so that the listeners can hear it. Um, but yeah, like I'm excited to dig into this because I'm only ever talking from the feminine energy perspective. And I know that the reason I wanted to have men on is because I want you to tell us what you see when you see a masculine woman who isn't in her feminine energy and sort of that conversation around that. But so, so tell us a bit about yourself and then let's just start chatting. Sure. Um, well, my name is Frank Clark and in the Tony community, I've been known as Mr. Orange. And uh, I got that moniker from a date with destiny uh, seminar, which is a great seminar. I I've always been an entrepreneur. I ever since I was eight years old, I've always had some little business that I've run. Um, I started my first multinational company uh, back when I was 26 and it's a company called Lewis and Clark, and we buy and sell used capital equipment for the production of printed circuit boards and electronic products. So pretty much every electronic product that you can see around the world or use in your house or your car or wherever, I've probably sold equipment to the factory that builds that. And we're kind of like the, the Century 21, the Remax people call us in broker stuff. Over the last 30 years, I've, I've started and sold and grown six different companies, and I've always been a student of... Um, personal development. I, I started back in 1997 when I did a, a UPW seminar, Tony Robbins seminar in Denver. Then I went to Fiji and met Tony with a really small group of people. And uh, I've been a real avid student of personal development for all these years. So what comes out of that and what comes out of running companies is that you become a coach. You become mm -hmm. not just a coach, but you become the marriage counselor, the therapist, the uh, best girlfriend, best boyfriend, uh, father, daughter, son, mother, you wear all those hats when you're working with your staff because at some point they're going to come to you with their personal problems. And so I, I really enjoy helping people feel inspired and have a better quality of life. And so when the opportunity came in 2018 and I was Mr. Orange and people were throwing business cards at me and saying, hey, please, let's consult. Let's talk. Let's do this. I said, OK, you know, it's time to hang the shingle and call myself. A, a an official business and life strategist and coach. And so that's what I did. And that was the, the birth of Mr. Orange. Um, I still am in the electronic space. I, I still love that. I still love the art of the sale. I love the art of the deal. Um, I love all things that are orange energy, which is to be driven and passionate and to be inspiring and help other people get what they want. And so, yeah, so I, I, nice. I love it. So everybody who's listening, if um, I know not everyone is a, is part of the Tony community, but so Date with Destiny, Tony kind of singles out 
individuals and then gives them a color and, and basically has them behave in that color, in that personality. And so when Frank's talking about orange, that was, that's the go-getter. That would, I would say that was sort of the more masculine energy. Um, that's what that encompasses. Like when you talk about goal setting and being aggressive and going after it and all that sort of thing, that's to me, the masculine, the mature masculine energy. And so just, again, you know, I, I always reiterate this. It's not man or woman. It's, we both have both energies. And I think as women business owners, we show up in the orange a lot of the time and we don't know how to turn it off. And so talk, I know you, you mentioned you'd been married a few times, your quote was, yeah. talk a bit about, so like why I want to have men on the on this show is to t- tell us what you, how you view it, because you understand the vernacular of feminine and masculine. And a lot of times women are like, here's the narrative. I can't find a good man. All the good men are taken. That guy can't handle me. Men are afraid of successful women. They don't like women who are independent. And to me, that's code for I'm too far deep into my masculine and I'm trying to take the guy's balls away, basically. And so when I'm married now, I'm, I'm back with my husband. Um, but initially it was always like, I didn't even consider those things. I didn't consider how I was emasculating him. So talk a little bit about kind of your experience around that and from a man's perspective, what you see when we're doing those things? Sure. That's a great question. And, you know, I've seen a lot of women entrepreneurs. I've obviously dealt with a lot of women CEOs throughout the day. And uh, I've been in relationships with women that are very strong and uh, CEO level or at least business driven kind of individuals. And when you talk about the masculine and feminine, you're right. It's the energy is, does not, it's not geared towards one particular sex. The, the, the drive or the willingness to be aggressive or the, you know, that nature in and of itself is a masculine energy, the, as it's so defined. And the energy to be uh, consoling, loving, uh, maybe even passive at some level, or, or just, you know, basically the big hug, right? The, the lover, mm-hmm. the, 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 what do you call it? Uh, the nester, the person that makes your home into a house into a home, and all those things, yes, are, are typically geared around what's called female energy. Now, men can have lots of female energy. I have lots of female energy, and and I, I relate a lot with women. Matter of fact, almost all my clients are women, um, and my staff is almost all women. My lawyer is a woman, and my doctor is a woman, and my therapist is a woman. And so, yes, I I, I get I do have a, a knack for understanding female energy as I'm around it a lot. <clears throat> And also raised a daughter, so you know there's that as well. Who is also very aggressive, very driven, very accomplished, uh, knows what she wants and goes after it. But she's also, you know, very much a woman, very feminine in in her um, in the way that she is. I think it's inherent; it's in our DNA as guys, and maybe it's somewhat the way we're raised as little boys to be mm. a leader, right? To take charge, you know, in school. When I grew up, I mean, I'm 60 years old, so I'm a baby boomer. And in my day, guys did the asking out. You you had to do the you had to be the one that stepped up and said, "Okay, I'm going to ask this girl out, as cute as she is over here." And I had to deal with the rejection. And rejection was part of life if you're a guy, right? <clears throat> and also not crying, not being vulnerable, and not stepping into that at all. So, you know, we had that role, and women at that time we're probably more passive than they are today. And it's great to see women being as aggressive and, um, 
in the especially in the workplace and, and everywhere in their life, just taking more control of what they're doing. As far as you know, emasculating and all that, I think there's a role, and I think um, when you have a strong male and strong female energy, that's when you have a great relationship. When you have two people that are you know that male and male or female and female, it doesn't tend to work out. There needs to there's be no a, polarity. There's that's, no polarity at all, right? Yeah. And so, and I'm not saying that a woman needs to be, a, you know, passive and weak and, and the guy just needs to be a bully. That's not a great relationship either. No. Right. It's a, it's a sharing of, uh, of that energy. You know, there's times when uh, I've been with women that are very aggressive and, you know, Hey, I like being the feminine energy. Okay. Hey, we'll go on vacation. Guess what? You decide you pick, I, you know, all day long, my job is making decisions and there's nothing I like more than being on a holiday with my girl when she's making all the decisions, all the plans, and all I have to do is sit back and enjoy. I believe me, I love that. <laughs> you know, it's a great yeah. way. So interesting to that though, here's here's why that is a I think anyway, my my see what I see is the problem with that is that it's not women are doing the same role as you are now, right? So like you have two a couple and we're both out there, both being intermasculine, getting shit done. So by the time we get home, you're wanting the person to take over. She's wanting the person to take over. And then there's fighting because I feel the same way too, right? Like I want to, I would love to just bring my bag and show up and just have you decide everything. I'm, I'm perfect with that, but it's tricky now because the roles, like you're saying, you know, I'm an eighties baby. And that's when like women started really with the power suits and like, I don't need a friggin' guy and I can do all this shit by myself. And that whole thing started and we went way far the other way, but there you're right. Like there's a balance there where I can come home, take off my masculine energy hat. Cause I've done work for the day and just kind of let you lead and be happy and not bitch and complain about it. And you know, certainly not every day, but what I'm finding is that if you, if women allow that to happen and allow you to be the hero and not complain, because that's the biggest thing, like, then you're happy. You feel like you've done something. I'm happy because I'm able to chill a bit, but it's a balance. Like it's a, you know, you, everybody has to kind of do something. Can't always be one way. Yeah, it is a balance. And you know, that really boils down to communication, right? Yeah. Setting the expectations, understanding what your partner's love languages are. Okay, masculine mm-hmm. or feminine, I like to be touched. That's you know right. a, a love language for me. Some people like words of affirmation. They want to hear that they're beautiful, lovely, wanted, desired, right? So <clears throat> there's that. And understanding those languages and being able to be a giver in that space mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean you have to surrender or you have to feel weak or you have to feel, you know, vulnerable. It's just basically pleasing your other partner in the areas that they like to be pleased right. and making them a priority, right? That the phrase of trade your expectations for appreciation is key, right? When somebody yep. comes home, you know, as in a business, as a business owner, I have lots of expectations, right? right? I have certain KPIs that need to be met. There's certain mm-hmm. things that need to happen. And I'm driven to make those sure those things happen. When I come home, okay, to take that hat off and say, I'm just going to appreciate you now. Right. Not expect something of this. Just appreciate you for being my spouse, my girlfriend, my mate, um, the person in my life. You know, that requires sometimes practice on both sexes to surrender to that and say, you know, it, it, this, this uh, polar opposite type of thing really works for us. It really mm-hmm. works for us. It works in a lot of ways, right? 
So let's let's practice that. I know I'm always the aggressor. Let me just sit back this time and let you run with that. Okay. And then you take a turn at that. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's that's across the board, right? I mean, that's across how you manage your money, maybe. That's how you are amongst your friends. That's how you are sexually, right? All of these things are a check and balance, especially if you have very two driven, you know, strong masculine energies in a, in a mm-hmm. relationship. Will's down so, to respect too. What are some of the ways that if, so if let's, you're, let's say you're in a relationship and um, you see that the woman, because one of the ways that women go into their masculine, not one, the way, the three ways really is the not feeling, you know, unseen, unheard and unsafe. Those are, those are kind of our triggers. Um, and I know when they're happening now, I'm aware enough, self-aware enough where I'm like, okay, I'm starting to go back into the not so mature masculine and I'm starting to be more of the wounded and just whatever, just being an asshole. But what are some of the ways, like if you're in a relationship and you're, you, you start to notice there's more fighting, like, are you aware as a man of those things that are happening? And are you, are you able to sit down with your partner and say, okay, so here's what I'm seeing happening and fix it. Like, what are some of the aha moments in a, when you can start to see things are sliding? Well, I think when you look at relationships, <clears throat> um, there is a pattern, right? You, have, you, you start to develop an ebb and flow in a pattern that works. And that's typically in the early phases of the relationship, right? <clears throat> the pattern is, oh, she always sends me cards. Once a week, I get a nice card from her. The pattern is, you know, she seems to be supportive of the things that I'm doing and says so. The pattern is that we make love three, four times, eight times a week, whatever it is, right? There's a pattern there. There's a pattern of, of um, and when we do that, she allows me to be the masculine. I'm, you know, the passive, and I, I like this. It's, it's a great sex life. This is how we, we've managed our, this. Uh, when it comes to our children, there's a pattern in the way that we discipline. There's a pattern in the way we spend time with each other and make time important with the plant. So when the pattern gets disrupted and the pattern changes dramatically, that's the time I typically say, hey, what's what seems to be going on here? You know, is there something that I'm not doing that is changing the the pattern for you? Like every single week you gave me a nice card. How, why did that stop? Is there something that that's on your mind? Right. And likewise, and you may say, well, yeah, the reason that stopped is because the pattern of you paying attention to me mm. stopped also. Oh. Okay, I didn't realize I wasn't. What part of paying attention to you should do I need to do? You know, there's two questions you can always ask in a situation: is what's most important to you in fill in the blank, whatever that is. What's most important to you in this relationship? What's most important to you in the bedroom? What's most important to you is in, in our domicile, our fiscally responsible. And then the second question is: is how do you know when you have it? Mm. Give me specific ways of showing that we have it, not just a feeling. Like I can quantify, I got a card every week. I can quantify, I love that, do that. I can quantify, we had two date nights every single week since we met. Now we're not doing that. Why? Right? So if there's measurable things in in your relationship that tend to follow in that pattern of the way you live together and enjoy each other, those are the things. They're like metrics in a business, right? When the metrics are off and the things that are not measurable, are, are different. The pattern gets different. Those are usually times when people raise a flag and speak mm-hmm. up or they leave or they cheat or, or, they, or they, whatever, whatever, fill in the blank. They don't talk right? about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Or they leave. Right. Cause they think they're going to get something better on the other side. Can I tell you just a really quick story? Yeah. A little, no, little story that, um, just on this thing on relationships. 
there's a preacher named Joel Osteen. He's a Christian preacher. Yep. Many people know Joel Osteen. I, I don't listen to a lot of Joel Osteen, but I happened to catch one sermon that he did one time, and I thought it was pretty profound. And in the sermon, he talked about relationships. And he said, and everybody's out there looking for their soulmate and number one, best person in the world to, to be with. He said, but let me tell you something. The best you're ever going to find is 80%. You're all out there going, oh, 100%, 100%. Got to have all these characteristics. The best you're going to find is 80%. And guess what you are? 80%. You're not right. 100% either, right? And so we get in a relationship and we're comfortable with this 80% kind of thing with each other. And then over a period of time, because we don't talk, we don't communicate, and we start looking over the fence at the other 20%. It's like, right. oh, well, they keep themselves in much better shape over there. Oh, she's, you know, so much more fun. She's funny and she talks so now you go chase that 20%, right? And then you then you get with her. You leave what you had. You get with her. And you know what she is? 80%. And, the, and you walk away from the 20% that's, oh, man, my ex was such a good mom. And my ex was such a good housekeeper. And, oh, shit, my ex was driven and ha made money. And my ex didn't have brothers in jail. And, you know. Right. Right? All that shit. So if you, if you look at it and go, you know what, I'm 80% and she's 80% and I'm happy with that and we get a great relationship together and to collectively let's work on improving and having the best, let's get to 100%, but let's do it together. Right. So that's, that leads me to my next question is how important do you think it is that both people like, so you and I are in Tony environments and we in personal development in general. How important do you think that is that the, the other person is in some sort of active personal development. And I don't mean has gone to one event 10 years ago, but actively pursuing spirituality, actively pursuing better relationship, all that sort of thing. Do you think that it's important when you're having the conversation with your, your person that they be able to understand you on that level? Well, I think, I think it's important that you understand each other on some level, whatever that common level is, you know, for you, I know a lot of people that are in recovery that are great couples and they've never done a personal development seminar ever, mm -hmm. but yet they have this level of communication that they learned through AA or NA that makes them work well together. You know, sometimes people have traumatic experiences and they meet through that trauma, that, that particular experience. Maybe they're cancer patients and they met somewhere there. Maybe they met, you know, in a prison or maybe they met somewhere that, you know, was a difficult situation, but they have a common way to communicate with each other. So, you know, for me, I love people being involved in personal development. I probably won't date women that aren't involved in that because the language that I like to speak in, I like right. them to understand, right? There's got to be a commonality. And it's such a big part of my life. You know, I coach it, I teach it, I'm involved in it, my friends are involved in it, I'm on stage with it. That's what's more important to me. So yes, I, I, I kind of look for that. Um, and I look for people that support that, that kind of mentality. For me and, personally. Yeah. And I, I, I totally agree with that. And I think because a lot of times the, the, com the communication becomes challenging if you're trying to speak one language and they're like, what, what are you talking about? What is this? What do you mean? What? Um, yeah, the best way to get people on your side, Kara, is live, walk your talk. Yeah, that's you it. Know, walk your talk and people will go, why are you always so happy? Why are you always yep. so driven? Why are you always so successful? Well, I did this seminar and you know, That's it. you can do it I learned too. That a long time ago when I would like, when I first started getting into this and I, I mean, I read my first Tony book 20 years ago and <clears throat> I would do the, 
you've got to come to this event. It's so amazing. And you want to, you should read this and you should, 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 should. And I did that in the beginning. Like my first live event was Business Mastery in uh, 2017. And for that whole year, that's me. I was fucking yapping all over town. Everybody listened to me. I know what I'm talking about. It's so amazing. And people eventually were like, oh my God, shut her up. And I'm not listening. And so it was later that year I started to, and, and actually after my first UPW where I started to like, my, my original primary question, which I just learned in, actually in Date With Destiny was, how do I save everybody? And my new primary question is, how do I show people what real freedom looks like? Wow. And big that's difference. by big difference. And yeah. it explains a lot. Um, and so that's it. And I think there, there is a certain level though, right? Like where, you know, this is same here. This is my life. And if my husband didn't, you know, under, I still want him to come to an event and hopefully that will happen someday. Although right now it's kind of sketchy, but um, I want him to have a deeper understanding of how to, how, what, where I'm at. And, and again, that's an expectation. So I do, I'm conscious of leaving that at the door, but mm-hmm. if the person's, you know, if the you're, if it's one, you know, person has gone to all these events and then the, the spouse is like, this is garbage that can create some friction. And, um, but you're right, just living it. And eventually it's like addicting, right? People see like, why the hell are you so happy? Like, we're in a pandemic right now. And I'm like, my business, my other business has dropped significantly. And I'm like, you know what? I've been, I've been trained for this. My mindset has been trained for this. And so now other people are looking going, well, what are you doing? Why aren't you freaking out? And I'm like, well, here's why I'm happy to share it with you. Sure. Um, so these are, these are two kind of funny questions. So first I want a list of the things that turn you on about a woman's personality. And then I want a list of the things that turn you off about a woman's personality <laughs> in, in, in congruency with the masculine feminine energy <laughs> conversation. Okay. Uh, these are in no particular order. Uh, I would say the things that turn me on about a woman's personality. Is that the question? Or That's the, the question. Yep. All right. Women's, the things that turn me on about a, per, a woman's personality is A, if they are um, funny and you know have a, a, a good sense of humor and can take life not so seriously all the time, right? Can laugh at themselves, can look in the mirror and actually be self-deprecating once in a while. Um, I like that in a personality. I like a person who has, who has a, a drive, who has an answer, has a thought, um, you know, and is, and is always thinking in terms of where am I going next? How can I make the world a better place? I like people that are women personalities that are givers. I like them that I like women, the personalities that love to be feminine. You know, I'm very, I'm a visual guy. I like women that like to dress and be feminine. We go on a date. I like women to, to look the part and, and want to look the part and want to be sexy and want me to open the door for them and want me to hold their hand and want me to show them off to my friends. And I love that. And I love a woman's personality that, um, you know, loves my kids and gets along with my mm-hmm. family and is open that, uh, to kids and children and, and, and a family and family environment. And uh, I, I like in a woman's personality, um, I don't know, uh, that they're, that they have a drive, a sex drive that they're, you know, that they're sensual and passionate and caring and supportive, uh, and loving. And, you know, well, my relationship component that I wrote on my date with destiny poster, it was all about, you know, that I get to be her biggest cheerleader and that she wants Mm. to be mine. So ladies listen to the words that are coming out of his mouth. All of those things, all of them, 
except for the driven, are all feminine energy. So when we think that, you know, we have to be these tough guys and blah, 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 that's not, not what a man actually wants. Not all of the time. We can never not be that way, but it's, you just described feminine energy, thoughtfulness, nurturing, vulnerability, sensuality. Like those are all of the things that we talk about when we talk about the feminine energy. Do you think that there's anything to, to about, I mean, kids, you know, I say kids, but people much younger than you and I who are in their twenties and thirties, do you think that men have lost like that list you just gave? Do you think they, they feel that way? Or do you think that it's kind of been lost and it's a bit confusing now? Yeah, I think it's a bit confusing now. And I think I wouldn't necessarily say it's lost but we live in a digital age now, right? Mm-hmm. And I grew up as an analog age. And what analog versus digital means is analog is actually you can touch it, feel it, see it, right? Digital is yep. out there. So the youth of America now get to date online. They get to Snapchat. They get to, they get to be commanders of their keyboard. And so they don't have to be vulnerable. They don't have to be weak. They can be phony and strong and whatever, as far as their social media shows them they can be in there. And, you know, everything is very utilitarian. I, if you serve a purpose for me, then hmm. I need you, right? I only need you be, to satisfy something. I mean, sexuality even. I mean, when we were growing up, it was you had to go and court the girl. You had to show up at her house, right? When you made yep. a phone call to call the girl, the first person answered was the dad. And then the brother yep. got on. And then you got the girl, right? If you were lucky. <laughs> If you were lucky, right? And you're tethered to a wall, so you got no place to go for privacy, so your parents will listen to everything you say, right? <laughs> True. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think that some of that, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was talking to my son one time, and he had he had a cell phone in his hand, and I'm like, oh, my God. And he's showing me all the games and the camera and all stuff. I go, you know what else this is? You can talk to somebody on it. <gasps> oh, what a... <laughs> What a revelation. I can actually yep. have a conversation with somebody. <laughs> but that's yeah. our phones are not used for that anymore, Mm-mm. right? And with especially the younger generation, their phone is their way of communicating digitally, not by voice, not by face, not by touch. And I think so, and, and I think it's a shame because you miss out on on what's real uh or what real love and what real feelings can be. Yeah, and I think that I I have four daughters, um 33 23, 19, and 11. And the, the interesting thing is that there is a disservice happening to, to that age girl, all of them, even the younger, youngest one, not so much, but they, you know, I hear a lot of girls and my girls obviously have raised them differently. They've been raised in the Tony community. They're, you know, different kind of kid. But what you hear a lot of is like girls getting pissed off that a guy's holding the door or, like if he does something, you know, gentlemanly, they're like, fuck you. I don't need any help. Like it's, and it's an epidemic. Like, honestly, I'm looking around at these 20 something year olds who are hell bent on making sure the man doesn't think that she needs him in any way, shape or form. And so, and even like Tony said, like, if you don't need me, why am I here? Right. And, and it's, and again, you know, I think you're right. A lot of it, it's, it's the digital thing. Like you don't, you have access to each other. You can, and frankly, you can be lazy. Like a guy can be lazy now. He can get away with, like in my, when I was dating, I mean, God, it was like 20, over 20 years ago, but you had to be picked up and like, you did have to go through the motions, get, it was like there was a gatekeeper and you had to get past that gatekeeper to even talk to me. And if you wanted to say something, 
you had to say it in front of me. You didn't get to send like part of the expression, but you didn't get to send a dick pic to me. Like <laughs> in a million years, would you have come to my house and unzipped your pants and just been like, hi, here's my penis, you know? Right. And it's like those things. And I do. And I think it's like the men aren't being, don't have the opportunity to be learning what you just ex- explained. And the women think we've got it figured out and we know how to tell them we don't need it. And it is a bit of a gong show right now. And I think like one of my, one of the missions for me is to teach younger women, like in their twenties, how to read, like connect maybe for the first time to their feminine. And I know there's like Neil Conlon, a friend of ours, he's, he's really working at teaching young men, men, how to be in their mature masculine for the same reason. Um, So what are some of the turnoffs that you would consider for a lady um, that you meet or that you're in a relationship with? <clears throat> well, turn off. So I'm really not a fan of a lot of negativity. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just glasses half empty. Woe is me victim mentality. I'm not a real fan of that. I'm, I'm not a real fan of um, control, if you will, or, or, mm-hmm. you know, limiting my freedoms. Um, you know, I don't like jealousy. I'm not a huge fan of any of that. Uh, I'm more about transparency and, you know, great open communication. I, uh, they say that the fastest way to piss off a guy is to make him wrong. And the mm. permanent way to make him, to get rid of him, is to prove it to him. Wow. So, <laughs> you just, know. Can you just repeat that one? That was good. <laughs> yeah. A quick way to piss off a guy is to make him wrong. And a permanent way to get rid of him is to prove it to him. Wow. So, um, you know, and I can give you a little example of that, you know, in my last marriage, as it was getting towards the end, and it was a pattern, right? You start, again, paying attention to pattern. One of the things my ex-wife and I used to do is renew our wedding vows every single year, every mm-hmm. year. We took turns, and it was beautiful and romantic, and we went all over the world. And when we met, the story was very beautiful also. I actually met her at, at Tony Robbins' event. She was just a guest at the resort. She wasn't even doing the seminar. She was just a guest. And her best friend happened to end up being my buddy in the seminar. And that's how I, it took a year to meet her after the seminar wow. was over. But anyways, great story. And, you know, I'm a storyteller, so I over embellish. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's part of being a storyteller. And so every time we would go out, we'd sit at the bar and, you know, and we'd talk to the people that are near us and they'd always eventually say, so how did you guys meet? And my ex-wife would say, well, you tell the story. So I would tell the story. And, and of course I would embellish, right? Oh, yeah. and we saw each other and she was wearing this I saw her, she was getting off a dive boat and she had a pink mask, pink dive mask, and she was wearing this one piece leopard bathing suit. And I saw her and, oh, the, the sun was glistening off of her and blah, blah, blah. And I go through this, right, you know, great story, right? Well, as things started to get tough in our relationship, I would tell the same story that I told for 20 years. And my ex-wife would say, no, it, no, it, it wasn't that way. It, I wasn't wearing a pink mask. I'm like, okay, well, you know, baby, maybe... And she would correct me on like different parts of it. Now I'm telling a romantic story. She would correct me on different parts of it. I'd say, well, you know what? Maybe you should tell the story. I I must have forgotten some of the the finer points, you know, maybe. Maybe you should tell the story. No, 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 go ahead and finish. So I would continue. And then I would get corrected again. And then I would get, and and getting corrected over things that were really, it didn't make any difference. It didn't change the story at all. The point of the story is romance. And so then it was proven to me. Then she'd pull out her phone and say, see, I have a picture of this from the time that we were on this thing. And I'm going to show you. So now not only did you make me wrong, 
Now you have to prove it to me that I'm wrong in front of brand new friends. Oh yeah. That's one way to quickly <laughs> piss me off. <laughs> yeah. And I imagine that's the same for a lot of guys. And I'm sure, yeah. and I've been guilty of that. Like we, cause we get up in it. We start to get where it's like, it becomes almost a game. Like, how do I, how do I wreck this guy right now? And yeah, one upmanship kind of, you know, who's yeah. going to be more right than the other person rather yeah. than who's going to be more loving and just, you know, let yeah, it go. And that's, that's the trick is, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be in love? Right. Cause I, I'm, I also am a storyteller. I'm a marketer. That's I love telling stories. And I, I know, I, I know I embellish and I make things a little saucy or maybe a little whatever. And like, it, it, I can understand that feeling of like, why is there any point of you correcting me right now? Like, yeah. Is there any real point in saying that it was a black shirt instead of a green shirt? Like, no, it doesn't matter. Just let me be my, ro- my romantic self and tell the story the way I want to tell it. So do you have any, so we'll talk a bit about um, the masculine, the mature masculine stuff just before we wrap up. But do you have any, maybe like three pointers that you can say to a young man, let's say, who is really just starting to discover himself? Um, I know you talked about, you know, the crying and vulnerability, and that's taught all the way through that boys shouldn't cry. The vulnerability is weakness, all that kind of thing. But we've now see, you know, a mature masculine man is able to be vulnerable. They are able to cry. I mean, I've seen hundreds of men cry at Tony Robbins events. Um, do you have any like little couple snippets that you could share, you know, as somebody who understands the mature masculine that you, you know, that you can impart on the younger guys when they're not really sure if these things are strength or weakness? Sure. I would say, you know, one of the things about being a young guy is understanding the difference between confident and cocky. Hmm. You know, girls are attracted to confident men. All right. We're all, we're all, guys are attracted to other guys as confident men, confident leaders, right? They come from their heart Hmm. and do the right thing. That's what's, what is a turn on being cocky and show off and bravado and machismo and all that shit. You know, you might win some some laughs in the moment, but in the big picture, you're not going to win the girl. And you're not going to win some friends by that either. Uh, The second thing I would say is that, you know, don't be so proud that you can't be vulnerable. You know, come from the heart rather than the head. The heart will always know the right answer. The head will fuck you up and the head will (laughs) shift you in different directions. You know, come from your heart. It's and you can come from a very strong masculine place from your heart too. It doesn't make you weak by coming from your heart. Okay. And I think um, you know the third thing, whether women want it or not, or they tell you they want it or not. um, My mother said, you know, she raised a gentleman, and I'm old school about that. And I believe that you know maybe they don't want the door they might come right out and say no don't open that door for me no don't hold don't hold my hand no don't don't pick up the tab don't no i'm independent i can do this on my own but i'm going to tell you something guys i think it still works even if you're early 20s or teenage or whatever be the chivalrous guy be the be the gentleman okay and trust me you'll win more than you'll lose and ps we do want all that <laughs> it's yeah. and and when we're, it's when we're in our masculine, too far into our masculine that we say we don't want it and we're totally lying. I can tell you that for sure, for sure, for sure. It, it's, and, it's, and it's also a fear of getting used to it. 
that's part of the problem for women is like we get we're fearful that if we get used to you holding the door and we get fear, fearful that if we get used to you being chivalrous that that train's going to stop eventually and and what does tony always say like if you act the way you did when you first got together in the beginning of the relationship there'll never be an end of the relationship correct and that goes both ways like show the man the appreciation when he opens the door don't take it for granted be grateful that he picked up the tab that time like it's it it goes both ways and i think um i think there's a lot of beautiful work to be done in teaching people about these energies and there'd be no war if we were in our heart ever there would never be war if we were in our hearts there would never be conflict i mean there'd be stuff but we would figure it out in a totally different way and i think um i can't tell you how much i appreciate you coming on and like this is a brave thing because a lot of guys don't even like talking about this stuff and so um i i really really do sincerely appreciate you coming on and and uh, educating everybody who's listening so thank you for that oh my pleasure cara you know we didn't prep for this at all so you're right no. i'm a little scared i'm like what are we even going to talk about hell i thought we were just going to do a little 15 minute conversation well, about you know you know to to cue it up and you're like oh no i'm going to hit the record button we're going live right now shit Sorry. <laughs> that's when the best shit happens that's when the best shit happens. <laughs> yeah um where can people find you if they want to get in touch uh if you want to reach me on i have a website called uh the mr orange.com and mm-hmm. i also have instagram the underscore mr orange or you can find me on facebook as francis lincoln that's my baptized first and middle name so nice come find me there Cool. Well, um, thank you. And sorry to have blindsided you, but that's what I do sometimes. And um, I think it turned out pretty well. And I'm very happy that you had the time to talk with me right now. And we're getting close to two. So um, yeah, let's keep in touch. And hopefully I will see you soon at an event this year. Absolutely. I like what you're doing. Thank you. Keep teaching what you're doing. You're doing a great thing. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Have a good afternoon. All right. Ciao. Bye.